Welcome to the Earth School Podcast, where we explore how to let go of victimhood so we can start enjoying this fascinating curriculum of being spiritual beings, having a human experience here in Earth School. All right. So, hey, everybody. I am so glad to be here today with Darius Wallace, um, a new friend who has just um, basically a whole life centered around this idea that we are shaping our reality with our stories. So I'm so excited to get into it. Um, Darius, can you just introduce yourself, whatever it is that you'd like to share with us? Yes, absolutely. I I, I want to say that... Um... <laughs> you know, my name is spelled like Darius, but it's pronounced Daria. Uh, oh, dear. Here's the, here's the thing, though. It's 8 billion people on the planet. They all say Darius, <laughs> except me. <laughs> that so is it, cool. Everybody gets confused, so it's okay, but it's, it's Darius. Darius. Yes. And then, and you know what? I need to, I didn't ask how to pronounce your name too. So. Yeah. Well, as a person who's like, basically no one has ever pronounced my name correctly. I really <laughs> like, would you like to restart and we could like start fresh no. with Darius? Oh, okay. no, no, actually, this is great because it, it enables, you know, it enables it to be more of a welcoming experience because yeah. it happens all the time, but yeah. it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's just a learning experience and and then people remember it more. <laughs> That's right. And you know, that example that you're modeling is like exactly what we both really care a lot about, which is you could either experience that situation as like, oh gosh, again, nobody says my name right. Like poor me, this uh -huh. is awful. Or you could be like, hey, this is a cool opportunity. So I love how you just modeled that. Oh, um, great. Yeah, beautiful. So Darius. And, yes. And, you're, and how do you okay. pronounce it? And so my name, the first name is Gazichaya, and it has like a throat clearing sound with the C-H, like okay. um, like in Hebrew when you say Lachayim or like oh. challah bread. Gazichaya. Yeah, right? beautiful, okay. beautiful. Okay. And then I also go by Z for those who just can't quite get my name. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So is it okay if I call you Z? Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. But it's Gahaya? Uh, uh, Gazichaya. Gazichaya? Yeah, beautiful. Haya. Okay, yeah. great. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I go by both. <laughs> and my last name is Nkosi, but some sometimes um, people say it Nkosi. And um, so, yeah, names are a cool uh, story in and of themselves. Yes, it's true. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> Did someone in your family um, have that pronunciation for a specific reason of Darius? Um, you know, I can honestly say I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a unique pronunciation because that's how my father thought it was pronounced. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I do know that it, it's, it's Iranian. Ooh. And I met someone from Iran. He says, oh, he says in Iran, we pronounce it Dariush. Oh, that's gorgeous. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I've heard Darius, mm -hmm. I've heard Darius, Darius, and then Darius. Yeah. Um, I think I'm the only one on the planet. <laughs> that, that's Darius. I could be wrong, but hey, you know. 
Well, I like the only one on the planet thing. That's I do too. Cool. <laughs> I think I'm the only Gazichai and Kosi on the planet. You know, Hebrew <laughs> plus Zulu is like not a typical matchup. Um, oh, but yeah. Hebrew plus, plus Zulu? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our last name in Kosi is in honor of a little guy in Kosi Johnson who worked against AIDS discrimination in South Africa before he <laughs> passed away. And um, he worked again, you know, uh, uh, on a global scale, spoke to the United Nations, and he had this beautiful um, speech about how we are all the same. We all laugh, we all cry, we all bleed. And it just you know, I get chills every time I talk about him. Um, and I yeah. got to know his adopted mother who gave us um, her blessing to honor him by taking his name as our last name. Wow, so, that's that's really amazing. That's really amazing. Have you heard of Lusama uh, Zulu Credo Matwa? No, but I'd like to. <laughs> He's a, uh, he wrote a book called Zulu Shaman that I'm reading and it's a really... <gasps> powerful uh book and so it's just ironic um wow. and then the there's a, a a college in portland called lewis and clark uh -huh. and the guy that's bringing me in is his name is kundai and he's from uh zimbabwe yeah um it's really cool. and i'm really having a, a like a, a south african zulu energy vibe going on well know, then this is a synchronicity and another affirmation that you're on the right track with that yeah how yeah. powerful yeah now are you are you in south africa right now no i've never okay. been it's a dream okay. and okay. We, we plan to go meet my kiddo and i, I have a 12 year old yeah. um oh wow okay yeah and my my kiddo is the one whose beloved dog frederick douglas just passed away oh. Well, yes, you told me that. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Well, so I think you and I's <laughs> worlds were really meant to collide. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. This is great. Okay. This so great. we didn't even get to your bio. So what do you want to share <laughs> about but about you other than your name pronunciation? Um. Yeah. I. Uh, well, I'm I'm an actor pr predominantly, um, and I'm a speaker and speaking and communications coach. Um. By accident. <laughs> but let me tell you about the acting first. Um, I grew up in Flint, Michigan. Um, I went to high school at a place called Interlochen Arts Academy. Uh, went away to purchase to study theater in New York. And and then I um, had my first theater experience with a Michigan Shakespeare Festival. And I started my first one-person show playing Malcolm X. And oh, then it became wow. Martin Luther King. And and then uh, I started to do a little um, theater and a little television. And then I had a, a period of time that was kind of dark. We may get into that. Mm -hmm. Then I came back to the light and uh, became a company member at Playhouse on the Square in Memphis. Wrote Frederick Douglass. Amazing. Way back. I don't even want to say how long back. I may say it later. <laughs> <laughs> how, long, how long ago it was. And, um, and then started doing more film and television. And I've been on um, Nashville, Law and & Order, Law & Order SVU. I've been in some movies, indies, a lot of, indie, uh, a lot of uh, plays and independent films. And now I do one person show still on Frederick Douglass and I have a couple of others. One is called My Words Are My Sword. And I got into uh, coaching by accident. I was, I was sitting in a Starbucks drinking some coffee. Uh-huh. 
this guy sat down and we started talking about Miles Davis and he uh-huh. asked what I did. I was an actor and we got into that and he said, Hey, you know, I'm, I own a, a commercial real estate company and I got these brokers that need some help with their presentations. Can you help them? Wow. And I was like, you paying? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I can do anything. <laughs> yeah. Cause I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, I didn't, I never yeah. did that before. He said, sure. Well, do it. I was like, of course I can, you know. So what I did was, is I used acting techniques to help them and they, they actually loved it. Yeah. Um, and, um, but I personally grew concerned with translating the language of acting mm-hmm. to the language of the organizational and the corporate world. Mm-hmm. And through the course of time, I learned how to bridge the two together. And then I became um, a TEDx coach for TEDx Memphis for about seven years. Wow. And so then because I'm working with so many influencers every year, it just referrals and just has snowballed into this thing. And so still I've I've coached um, head of corporations, head of studio, well, head of production companies, um, uh, influencers, entrepreneurs, uh, people who had aspired to be better speakers, team leaders, and the list goes on and on. So, and then I do some inspirational speaking too. So that's, uh, in a nutshell, uh, some of my uh, bio. <laughs> yeah, you're out there sharing your gifts in a variety of ways, which I think is yes. so beautiful. You know, I love how you're tapping into both the um, the richness that we can learn from our collective history and also yes. to the potential through um, allowing people to understand how to shape story in order to yes. connect with more people. So it's, it's beautiful offering. Um, yes. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I'm most curious about with the um, in general, but specifically with this podcast is about how people experienced those moments where it was like I could go down this path of the world is hopeless and it's a dark nothing matters and let's just give up or to there are possibilities and how there's sometimes some divine intervention in there and I know a part of your story is that there was and correct me if I'm wrong a high school teacher or a high school opportunity that really sort of gave you support in navigating that choice. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh yeah, I, I love, I love, I love to talk, tell that story. Um, so um, in Flint, Michigan, who's heard of Flint? <laughs> uh, we know what Flint is known for now. <laughs> um, there, it wasn't always like that. Mm-hmm. Flint actually, when I was growing up, way back in the um, <laughs> I think age is something to be proud of. You know, you've you've survived this thing all these years. I think that's yeah. something to wear as a badge of honor. Well, you know what? I'm gonna take your advice on that, and I'm gonna say way back in the 1900s. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Flint was actually an opulent place back in the 70s, yeah. uh, 60s, 50s. And um, so I grew up as a little boy in the 70s. And um, it was, I only have just these bright, beautiful, amazing memories growing up. 
not to say that there wasn't the challenges of, of what you grow up when you're young, but I just have more memories of just this bright, amazing, electric, energetic, you know, period of time. Mm-hmm. And Flint was like that. Mm-hmm. Everybody had jobs pretty much. Um, there was crime, but I don't remember it being, you know, any never felt like life threatening, stepping out of the door type situation. And um, um, when my, uh, back during that time, my father went to see this movie <laughs> and he rushed back, he picked me up and he took me to see the movie. And when I came back, I was kicking and punching and screaming. I had just seen Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon. <laughs> hey. And I wanted to be just like Bruce Lee. And so I started studying martial art. Well, early 80s, things changed. Mm. Uh, GM pretty much dropped out of Flint, Detroit. Yep. Yep. There was a lot of uh, a, a, a recession hit. And it was just a lot of joblessness. Mm-hmm. Same time, um, the crack epidemic hit. And so no one knew what was happening and what that was. We just knew that the the city that we grew up in was transforming into this very hard, harsh, Mm. dangerous, you know, place. And then at the same time, at 13 years old, I was this size. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This voice. And I had these Mm -hmm. sideburns and I practiced martial art and everybody Mm. called me Big Phil. My full name is Phil Darius Wallace. I just go by my mm-hmm. middle name, but they call me Big Phil. And so I was a prime target for street life, gang life. Mm-hmm. And um, and so um, there was this these uh, kids that were getting jumped all around the city. When I say jumped, I mean really, really bad. Yeah. And now when I think about it, I wonder that if this friend of mine, was he just trying to recruit me <laughs> when I think back on it? But he says, you're on the list. Yeah. On the list of what? Getting jumped. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be protected, you, you better join this this gang. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm with it. Yeah, <laughs> let's wanna... go. Yeah. Yeah. So I did. And um, you know, going through the that initiation process was uh, a very, very terrifying thing. My life was not my own. And yeah. whenever called, I had to show up and it was, you know. Even though I was this size, I was still 13. You were a little guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there was an incident in the middle school. It was called junior high back in those days. <laughs> um, and a weapon was involved and the weapon was given to me and I hid the weapon. Okay. But the vice principal found out about it. Mm-hmm. And so he called me into his office and tried to make me tell him what the, 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 the weapon was. I wouldn't tell him. Right. He says, I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to give you an option. He says, either you can continue going the route that you're going and go to a juvenile home or jail, or you can do what I know you love to do, which is theater. Or I can tell you that. Now. <laughs> this facial expression is the best. <laughs> <laughs> you can send me to jail. You can send me to juvenile home. Just don't, don't send me to my dad. <laughs> so anyway yeah did you, you ever watch good times uh-huh yeah, my dad was the real james evans okay <laughs> oh my in living color um Woo. so 
I decided not to do that. Uh-huh. And, um, and so I, I, I chose theater. The only problem was I was flunking my eighth grade acting class. Because every time I stood in front of people, I would always forget my lines. Yeah, yeah. Because I was so shy. So my teacher gave me an opportunity, uh, Mrs. O'Neill, to make it up. And she put me in a play called Midsummer Night's Dream. And I had mm -hmm. one line. I can't remember what that line was, but it was one line and I couldn't say it. And she kept coaching me and helping me to say it and it was just not working out. So the night of the performance, all I remember is that I was just standing on stage <laughs> waiting for my cue and I'm hearing all this stuff. And so that's all I knew. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't understand Shakespeare at all. So I'm just standing there. And I hear my cue and suddenly I say the line and my voice fills the whole auditorium. <laughs> and everybody looks, because nobody had heard that voice come out. Anyway, at the end, this uh, man who uh, was probably about 5'5", five, five, uh, looked very much like uh, Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> Uh, but he had a high-pitched voice, more artistic than built like Sylvester Stallone, but he definitely looked like him. Uh, he was Italian, Martin, Martin, Martin Jennings uh, was his name, is his name. And he said, hey, you have an amazing voice and a great presence. I want you to be a part of the high school theater de department. And I was like, yeah, I want to do this, you know? So basically what he did, he saw that I was shy and so he started to teach me mime. And so with mime, it got me used to being in front of people without having to speak. And being a martial artist, it came naturally. And then when people started to laugh, suddenly it was like a rush, like boom, something broke. And I was like, I wasn't, I felt like I can reach these people. And then I started speaking. Yeah. Wow. yeah. And so then um, the following year, uh, he wanted me to, uh, no, it's the same year that for the following semester, he wanted me to audition for the lead in a play. Now, at this time, there has not been any freshman leads to go on the central stage. And this was in the 80s. And so here you are, this African-American kid who is daring at a, as a freshman to play the lead in the play. And it's like, yeah, it's a wrap. It'll never happen. Yeah, yeah. But I wanted that part man I wanted that part so throughout the whole Christmas holidays I worked on it I worked on it kind of like how I practiced martial arts I had a lot of discipline practicing martial arts I worked on it I worked on it came back did the audition got the role <laughs> did the role then um the matinee uh the student matinee finished that walking home from school and as I'm walking home, this car behind me slowly is driving behind me. Mm -hmm. If you've seen Boys in the Hood, yeah. it, it was that kind of a scene. Yeah. Windows are tinted, and then the, the mm -hmm. slowly pulls down, mm -hmm. and he says, Big Phil, get in the car. And so mm -hmm. I get in the car, and so he's driving, and he was like, Big Phil, we saw you in that play, and you talented. We don't want you to go this route. You do what you do. And they let me out of the car. And that was the end of that. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna cry. Yeah, that was the end of that.
Yep. Streets let me out. I never heard that story. Yeah. And some of those guys lost their lives. Some yeah. of those guys went to, to prison. Some of those guys actually turned their lives around, you know, yeah. have, uh, have been reached by a couple that are on Facebook. And, uh. um, and so, you know, it was a, it was a, an amazing blessing because that particular gang really was involved with and did some horrible things, yeah, yeah. horrible situations that ha yeah. happened because of that particular uh, street gang. Yeah. Um, and so, so I was off to the races after that. Darius, what a story. I mean, this piece about that moment is just the perfect example of those like two paths moment and one of the things that I really experienced in my journey and that I know a lot of other people have is the the identity that comes with being the victim or the struggling or the you know life gave me this difficult situation and 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 the bonding especially that comes with a group of people who are all kind of victimized together or bonding in the struggle like in your um you know experience with the gang there there can sometimes be a guilt or like a difficulty allowing yourself to move on from that identity did you experience any of that and if so how did how did you support yourself with that well um you know, it was an initiation, so I hadn't done what's called jump off the porch. It's sort okay. of the slang, you know, for that. Um, so there was no blood in yet okay. for me. Um, and so my identity, there was two, two, two sets, basically. A set is like uh, what you're standing on, standing for, and what you're protecting. And, mm -hmm. you know, so there was... Um, the, the game's called the top dogs. Mm -hmm. um, but then there's also your neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it was a, interestingly, and I was a fighter, by the way. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really did fight and I, I, I fought, I kickboxed and I actually kickboxed professionals uh -huh. at that time because mm -hmm. of my thighs. Mm -hmm. So there was this, even today, if I go back, there are people that are going to call me Big Phil. Mm -hmm. There are people that, from back in the day that that still respect me because I didn't they remember I didn't snitch this mm -hmm. particular person out mm -hmm. so there was still this this sense of um connection but I wasn't I wasn't rooted and immersed in it to the point of completely feeling identified I would say really and this happens a lot that you just get transformed. I was, I wasn't the cool guy back in those days. I was mm -hmm. more of the nerd in those days, mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that made me big Phil was I, I was intimidating because of my size and I practiced martial art, but I wasn't, I wasn't the guy that enjoyed violence. Mm -hmm. And even though I practiced and I fought, I didn't really enjoy it. That's probably why I'm not doing it. Yeah. So with that, I would say, um, there's not as much guilt there mm -hmm. as far as that goes. And it was an easy transition because I, I left the element 
I had to, I was bused to another neighborhood, another right. school that took me completely out of the element. And then, you know, to be honest, you know, it was a completely new world for me being around theater people. Yeah, yeah, but. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was, a, it was a unique world. You know, I, I wrote a post of a friend, uh, Joel Bates, you know, this um, really funny, you know, uh, uh, he, had, he was 16, but he came across as like a Jewish father all the time. Okay. <laughs> he was completely <laughs> Anglo-Saxon, you know what I mean? Yeah. But he just had that atmosphere. Uh, and he played my father in a play who was a Jewish father, you know what I mean? In a, in a, a diversely um, casted play. But he embraced me. Mm. And he became my best friend. And he kind of just guided me through this, this new world that was so different. Mm-hmm. And it prepared me to, to be uh, put into another new world, which is Interlochen Arts Academy, where, mm-hmm. where I'm surrounded by the arts from people from all over the world, of all the different disciplines, you know what I mean? When you live there. Oh, no kidding. At high school, you it's a boarding school. Oh, so you really there. got taken out of that. I was completely immersed. Now, here's the thing, though. You know, growing up, I, I, was, a, I was a timid, very thin child. So my father got me into martial arts. Mm-hmm. And I was bullied and picked on a lot. And so I was a terrified kid back in those days. So even though I had built up this body and practicing martial art and I was 13 years old and I was hanging out with these seniors and I had a 19 year old girlfriend. (laughs) I didn't know no better. (laughs) I just didn't know no better. When I think back, I was like, oh my gosh, it was illegal. (laughs) (laughs) There was this kid, this broken kid in me that even when I went to Interlochen and even when I went to purchase was still there. Yeah. And that's has been most of the guilt Mm -hmm. because that kid in me was so had such low self-esteem, even though I was achieving amazing things Yeah, that, you know, when I went to purchase this theater school, I was uh, manipulated and I joined a cult. Oh, yeah. 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 Makes sense, Christ- right? Yeah, yeah. And I have to put down religion because there's a lot of great Christians yeah. and Muslims before them. But this was a Christian cult. Yep. And it was the worst part of my life. And, um, and the, the, Lee, I left school because yeah. of it. Yeah. And the, that guilt was the demon or the guilt that I had to somehow break free from because it continued to follow and eat at me in the early part of my career yep and that led me to the my TEDx story when I you know eventually became homeless and all that stuff yeah Yeah. so I you know I was gonna ask about the the presence of fear and you know sometimes that's intertwined with some of that guilt and and that broken little guy um you know and it sounds like for me the arc of the story um often it's like here's a lesson we're gonna give you it on this level and you're like okay like I can kind of 
I got a little bit of that story. And then sometimes we go back through it on another level. And it sounds yeah. like you were given that with the cult experience. Yeah, it was, um, what was interesting was uh, the gang mm -hmm. let me out and told me to do what I love to do. Yeah, but not cult. these folks. They told me to give up what I love to do and join their gang. Right. Well, and, and that shows you that, you know, ultimately, uh, in my limited knowledge, gangs tend to be more of we're trying to look for some type of hope and possibility together. Yeah. And with a cult, it's about I'm looking to control a group of folks. Right. right. So there's yeah. there is sort of a different cultural premise, although from the outside, it might look like they have some similarities. Um, yeah. yeah. I love yeah. that you had that example of this group of people who um, endorsed your liberation and supported your liberation early on. Did you feel like that um, that part of you or that experience at all was something that you could tap into as a resource when you were dealing with the aftermath of leaving the cult experience? I would say, yeah, I don't think that I was completely conscious. Um, mm -hmm. I would say a lot of these things I became more conscious of over the past 10 years. Yeah. But um, I would say that um, at the time, it, fortunately, it didn't last long. Matter of fact, let me just say this. Um, not everybody in this particular organization were bad people. And I really don't even want to, yeah. you know, I want to forgive and let go of the, my experiences yeah. with some of these people. <laughs> but there was this one guy in particular. I'll never forget it. I came over to his house. We we're just hanging out. Mm. And I'm sitting in his chair. There's a table here and a flower. Mm -hmm. He's sitting there. His legs are kicked up. You know, typical, you know, 80s, you know, man, just kind of, you know, yeah. sitting back, watching TV. And he looks over at me and he says, Phil, get out of here. You're better than this. Wow. <laughs> wow. And I looked at him and I felt it. Like I yeah. felt it. I knew what he was telling me to do. I knew, I knew what he was saying. Yeah. And I did. Wow. I left. And uh, it took me a, a while, about a year, to come to myself, um, yeah. to come to the realization that what I did was a mistake mm -hmm. and that I am an actor. And right then and there, I started auditioning and I was back off to the races. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I agree with you. I don't, I don't actually believe that there's any bad guy um, out there. Um, in my experience, uh, there's a quote by someone named Byron Katie that I really live by. And it's, if I were thinking and believing what you were thinking and believing, I would do the same thing. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Everybody's going off of what they can understand at any sure. given moment. And a lot of that is based on that connection with fear. And yeah. if you feel like you have to make a choice, like you've been faced with several times, that's going to affect your survival then yeah. you're going to do something that's not necessarily aligned with your values. Right. Yes. That's um, right. And, you know, again, you have had 
and and I don't know what you would call it, but some sort of divine intervention several times. Oh, yes. Um, And I'm curious, like, what relationship have you um, built with that experience and or faith trust for that experience to continue in your future? Yeah, well, you know, I I grew up in a very uh, religious household. And, um, you know, you know, my there's two, there's a denomination, you don't, you, I don't know if you don't like that, you don't think about the Church of God. I'm from, yeah, I'm, I'm from Church of Christ, Baptist, Evangelical Christianity. Oh, I've, you know, I've, you know. I've, I've, I've oh. lived that story. I've done the cult thing as well. So oh, yeah. okay, you can, you so, can, yeah. Okay. So my mother is Church of God in Christ. That's mm-hmm. Black Pentecostal. Yeah, my I know dad, it. My dad is Nation of Islam Muslim. <laughs> I grew up in that household. <laughs> How did they pull that off? Love. Wow. I'm surprised they love. weren't both kicked out. No, it was lo- love. Was they the maintained thing. their affiliation with yes. both of those groups throughout their they marriage. Did. They did. That's a story we should yeah. document. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, it was, you know, love triumphs over all that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, and so I grew up in that. And so it caused me early on to be a seeker. Yeah. So um, I had some real spiritual experiences as a young person. I had some real spiritual experiences, even in that, that, that situation that I was in, because, I, because the, that spiritual part of me is constantly seeking yeah. that spiritual element. You know what I mean? Um, and so, uh, it's something that has always followed me. I would say that even though I was seeking, I still had it in my mind that it was out here somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so looking out here kind of kept me blind Mm -hmm. to what was inside. And so this became a trend throughout my young life as an actor mm-hmm. um i would say it maybe even affected my acting you know what i mean yeah um and it wasn't really i would say until uh 2011 that there was a a massive shift mm-hmm. right and mind you by now i had already uh, gone through this period of being homeless yep. you know that's on the, 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 TED, the TEDx talk but I came out of that and then I was fortunate to get back on my feet as an actor again yep and, uh, then I got married uh, had three children they're all uh, two of them are young adults now I got a 14 year old and so even during that the first I don't know 10 years or so of that I was still seeking but it was still out here you know that I'm looking and it was still blinding me to what was Mm -hmm. inside Mm -hmm. um and then uh you know just uh, sharing my experience strength and hope I you know during the period of of being homeless I dealt with substance which was you know my drug of choice was alcohol (laughs) I was gonna say you got some 12-step language coming through uh yes there it is yeah yeah and so my sobriety date is December 4th 2009 Hey, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until 2011 that I had the miracle happen. Mm -hmm. And so um, at this stage, you know, when 2008 happened, 
Uh, it didn't affect me at the time. I was still like rolling. I was gone. You know, I was making it. Was it was good? I was all good. Yeah. It caught up with me 2011. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it caught up with me, boy. That phone stopped ringing. Mm. Yeah, I would sometimes I would just be <laughs> just, staring at it. You know, yeah, it just stopped. I'm like, oh my goodness, what's going on? Anyway, make a long story short. Um, here I am, three children, small at this time, mm. and two of them go to this daycare center that's way like 25 minutes out here. Mm -hmm. Then I got to take my youngest to the preschool place, which is another way 20 or so minutes here. Mm. Then I got to take my wife all the way downtown Memphis. That's where I was at that time. Mm -hmm. When it was another, you know. And so I knew in my car that I had to pray to start. Yes. <laughs> and I only had $5 in my pocket that I was not going to be able to make it home after I dropped mm. everybody off. And so I'm a reader. I mean, I, if you saw this table, you would just be, you know, shocked at how I many, it's just a mess full of books. Yeah. Um, I, I had to sell my precious books. No. Not all of them, but some of them. Yeah. If you're Memphis and you're watching, you know where Bert's bookstore is. Well, I went there. Oh. I took my precious books. Your books. sold them. <laughs> I can have cash to put in the tank so I can get home and know I can pick everybody up. Oh, my word. So, uh, so I do it and I pick everybody up and get home. I have a little extra. Even when broke, I must have my coffee. So I went to Starbucks. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I'm sitting with my coffee at Starbucks on the outside and it's a balmy day and it's cloudy like how it is today and the breeze is blowing. And I felt something in me say, let's go for a walk. And it was serene. I was like, okay. So I get in my car, drive to this park not far away. Yeah. And you walk around the park, it's a mile. And yeah. I walked around it seven times. And not on purpose. Yeah. And I don't know what was, I can't remember what was said to me. All I know is when I came out of that park, I was different. There was a serenity and a peace that everything was going to be okay. Somehow, I didn't know how, but I just knew it. And I, as soon as I got home, you know, my wife said, oh, guess what? You know, XYZ came and there was a check for her. And then, you know, there's a residual check that came for me. And then the next day, something else happened. And there was still all these mountains of bills, but I, I would sleep peacefully like a baby every night. And it just kept going. And the, these miracles just kept happening. And I can tell you right now, it hasn't stopped. Now, ah. Not without challenges, the challenges of life. Not every day is, is a day where I'm completely bubbly and up, but I will say that I have many more great days than I do challenging days emotionally, that is. Yeah. It is because I've realized through the course of time that the higher power is within me. That's right. I look in now. And so that's the big, the big difference. Ugh. So gorgeous. Reminds me of Jericho, <laughs> right? Around. Yes. The, yes, uh, that's right. Yeah, that's oh right. <laughs> um, so yeah. in those moments where, you know, even with this new reality where miracles are your, you know, your norm, your expectation, on those dip days or moments, how do you support yourself 
Um, sure. What kind of rituals do you have? Practices, mantras, uh, activities like twelve step. What do you What do you use for those moments? You know, I, I try to make it a habit every morning. Uh, I've learned a meditation practice and I've learned um, a yoga practice, really combined, Kriya Yoga. Yeah. Yeah, combined meditation and Hatha Yoga. And then also, too, I've been practicing Tai Chi and Qigong for the past mm -hmm. 14 years. Mm -hmm. So I do these things every day and pray. I, I pray. I pray every day. Um and I, I study, I study every morning, you know, to, 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 uh, to, to transform my mind. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, being an actor, mm -hmm. <laughs> you're in the unknown so much. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the ups and downs of life happen, financial challenges, especially when you, it's not just you, you have, you know, children and young adults yep. and colleges and all these different things that that is how I start my day that helps. I would say the other thing is understanding the power of breath or the power of breathing. Talk so about that, that. Yes. In the, in the moment, you know, when you're understanding um, the importance and the power of breath, this is what can help you immediately in the moment, right? When you're able to take that nice size breath and breathe it out. And when you're able to say one mantra, as I always say, is God's got it, <laughs> you know? God's got it. God's got it, yeah. And um, and then, you know, that there's there are these attributes that is within us that we can tap into to address the positive side to mm -hmm. things or the cup uh, half, to, half um, empty. I mean, half full half instead full. of half It's empty. that perspective, yeah. yeah. The perspective, yeah. Being able to see, you know, what it is from the standpoint of, you know, I have this much, I'm grateful for this. Mm -hmm. Now all I got to do is get this, this, and this, and this. Mm -hmm. And so there's, there's that element. Then also, too, I would say even the most important thing, the absolute most important thing is to take attention off of myself. Ah. Yeah, the, begin to, to think about other people, to find out how to be a blessing to other people. Yep. Um, and lastly, the art itself. Mm -hmm. The art of acting and storytelling itself. Mm -hmm. There's another TED talk that I did called Storytelling is a Yoga of the Soul. Ah, amen. And it is, it really is. Yep. Um, they say it's the same benefits as practicing yoga when you're telling stories yep. and i had an interesting experience with this a very very personal experience with this which made me want to do that that talk mm -hmm. um some years ago at tennessee shakespeare the artistic director dan mcclary mm -hmm. wanted me to do uh um mark anthony and julius caesar yeah wow now at this time was one of those those low moments and I, I just didn't feel I was mentally healthy mm -hmm, enough mm -hmm. to take on a role like that. I just yeah, wasn't. Big role. And, um, and Dan said, Dorian, you need to do this. It'll be good for you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, wow, I probably need to do this. And so make a long story short, I ended up, well, first I went to my therapist because I knew what he was going to say. I was like, I'm going to go to my therapist because my therapist is going to tell me, you know what? You probably shouldn't do it. You probably you wanted a just... permission slip to get out yes. of it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I knew he was going to say that, you know? 
And I went there and I was like, I'm going to go there. And he's going to basically, yes, you know, you shouldn't do it. It's probably not a good idea. Uh-huh. And that ain't what he said. <laughs> that is not what the man said. He was like, you know, you really should do it. I was Thank like, God. Ah. you're like, come on, <laughs> give me an excuse. So, yeah, nope. So I ended up, I ended up doing it. But what I noticed was when I got up early in the morning, because you know, he has the, in the show, Mark Anthony has, I think like four, a monologue that's four pages long. Yeah, that sounds about right. Start, yeah, so I'm going to start on the earlier. So I start, got up and started working on it. But I noticed when I started working on it, that depression bubble kind of that's just right. Busted. And it just kept lifting. And every day it kept lifting. And so I want to say, you know, the people out there too, you know, doing what you love to do and, and taking action in it is another way. That's right. And that creativity is a huge spiritual connector. You know, I really mm-hmm. believe that our creative energy is a part of experiencing the creator. And that when we are not creating, we're not in as much connection with that greater divinity that's within us. Um, And not to mention the fact that, you know, with memorization Mm -hmm. comes something that I think has something to do with wellness, brain. I don't know what it is, but if you think about how you know, especially you and I with our childhoods in the church, memorization Mm -hmm. of scripture was so embedded in there. And that practice of that attention and that learning and that memorization is something that I believe really goes hand in hand with the oral tradition of storytelling throughout indigenous societies, because we didn't have the written word for so long. And there was something that I believe that we as humans developed inside of us about memorizing stories and memorizing Mm -hmm. scripture that does something spiritually, Um, you know, whether it's poetry that you're using or scripture or even something meaningful in the form of a play or acting, there's something about that time period. It's contemplative, but it's not about you. Right. And it takes you out of that. In some, there's something magical happening there. And I don't know exactly what that is, but I would imagine that actors, especially actors like yourself who choose projects that have a real strong personal meaning and a contribution to the collective, that that yeah. would have some sort of magic embedded in it. Yeah, it, it, I, I believe that it is, you know, and also, too, <clears throat> there's the power of the word. Right. Yeah. And that words are creative. Yep. Um, and words, letters really have <clears throat> life in them, you know. And so there's something special about learning someone else's text. Yeah. Learning the text that you wrote um, because you're, you know, letters, you have to spell. Yeah. Yeah. Letters. <laughs> yeah, you're you're actually casting a spell. Yeah, cast for sure. Yeah, for sure. Spice is spell letters, right? Yeah. But also too, you know, um, through through my journey and what have you, the more of the religious experience led me to want to know. Okay, so you know the Bible is in English, yet these folk were Hebrew. Yeah. What would happen if I learned a little bit of Hebrew? 
<laughs> right. And so, and I could be wrong here. I'm trying to say this the best way that I can, but it, in I think in the Hebrew, in the, when it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, um, somewhere in the mix, it, in, in the translation, is saying in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth with bet. Okay, like Aleph Bet, A B. Aleph Bet. Mm-hmm. And because the Aleph is is not pronounceable, mm-hmm. so Aleph Bet, mm-hmm. where we get the alphabet from. Yeah, yeah. And so, they, in other words, creation happened through letters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Words, and even even as we create our lives, once that, again, I love that. Through words, letters. You yeah. know what I mean? I yeah. love that. <laughs> not to mention that you know, coming back to the breathing. Um, what what I do in the day to day is I work with folks um, on their nervous system using oh, oh wow. exercises to strengthen and increase flexibility in the vagus nerve, which oh. for there's four areas of exercises that do that, and two of those areas are breath work and vocalization because oh, wow. both of those tie right into the vagus nerve, which goes down both sides of our throat and oh, wow. alongside our auditory um, canal, and so hearing and resonating through vocalization are a part of supporting that vagus nerve, which then governs all of our physiological functions and access to the frontal lobe, which you and I could deep dive sometime if you're yeah. interested, because I think I am interested. <laughs> a lot of crossover. But yeah. what's really cool about um, learning a a set of information and then working with the cadence of how you say that in storytelling or acting or scripture memorization is that you are doing breath work as you do that because of the pacing, you know, especially if you've got a monologue that's four pages long, you really need to be aware of your breath and be very, um, you know, disciplined about how you're using your breath so that you can express and emote what you want. And so that breath pacing along with the vocalization is like a perfect vagus nerve uh exercise so with acting you're giving that to yourself so i I just think i just it's great i'm so glad that um you have had that from such an early point to give you this sort of like home to come back to yeah. way to come back to that divinity and that creator energy that's yeah. inside of you and then to contribute in such meaningful ways yeah i i really you know it feels beautiful being an actor um and it feels it feels beautiful having a life of storytelling because of understanding what you just said and um and what can I say? There is something very beautiful and powerful about uh, stories and becoming characters and stories and, um, you know, and the transformative element and how it does tap into our, our breathing and our breath and, you know, what it does to us as human beings. So, yeah. So and, you know, one more piece. I know we're getting to the end of our time here, but, you know, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Bob Proctor. He's like a create your own reality kind of guy. So he, one of his like go-to book recommendations, and I'm going to forget it right now, but it's an old, old acting book. 
It's like oh. just a book about acting. If I, I wonder if I could find it real quick. But anyway, I didn't even know he talked about. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know the reason why he studied it, um, mm -hmm. was because he understood that what we're doing here as people, you know, trying to do this spiritual thing in this human body is we are acting. We're living into the character of, you know, I, I show up as um, I'm playing Gazi and Kosi, you know, I'm playing podcaster right now. And, um, mm -hmm. oh, I just found mm -hmm. it. It's called The Art of Acting by Stella Adler. Oh, Stella Adler. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's a great book. Okay, yes. so that yeah. that's one of his like top book recommendations. Um, oh my goodness. So, you know, when you understand acting, you understand how understanding that person's perspective, understanding their characteristics and attributes, and understanding their um their goals and their um motivations, you yeah. can actually transform into that person in such a way that the audience cannot differentiate you from that person. And we have the power to do that in this avatar that we're creating in this game. And so many people feel like, well, I'm stuck. You know, I was born into this and it's all just fate. And what am I going to do? You know, mm -hmm. and that ability to be like, Oh, Hey, well, if I want this body slash identity to be something different why not give myself a new name why not give myself new characteristics you know maybe I was a person who was always shy but then I learn a new set of skills and I get to shift that and transform that and come into a new character um, yes. and I think that's also probably really empowering even on a subconscious level for actors yes. because you see how yeah I can embody something and then I actually become that. And even method actors, we've seen that go in a scary way too. <laughs> yeah. Right? But I, I would say, you know, that's really inter interesting that you would say that because um, I think that, that I think a lot of us actors don't. I think we, we know how to do it on stage, but haven't learned that we could do it in life. Yeah. But I think what you're saying is something that I've realized and that there, there are other actors that have realized mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it, it's important. It, I think it, it happens, um, it happens uh, organically when I'm coaching. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where there really is something, even um, uh, Warren Buffett said, mm -hmm about public speaking, that when you public speak, your unusual self comes about. Ooh, I like yeah. that. Yeah. And so what you're saying is right and exact. Mm. And it would be beautiful. It, it, it's my desire to find a way to continue to embrace what you said in my own life mm. and incorporate it just in life as I'm working with people and engaging people Mm -hmm. And then realizing, too, that I'm displaying it every time I do get a role and become a character, the possibility of I can be whatever I want to be. <laughs> the possibility. The possibility. Yeah. 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 Uh, maybe yeah. so. I really, I celebrate that intention and I see it coming through I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate that. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, yeah. listen, Darius, this has just been a total joy for me. I'm so oh, me grateful. Too, yeah, me too. Me too. I'm I'm very grateful. I knew it was gonna be. I could tell by your photo. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, bright photo. Actually, I couldn't wait because I, I just sensed from our email exchange. And didn't we did we speak on the phone or was it just email when you mentioned I can't remember? It was but just email with Freddie Douglas. With Freddie Douglas. You know, I, I just sensed that it was going to be great. And so I've been looking forward to it. And I'm, you know, I'm glad to, to have been privileged to be on your show. Awesome. Well, tell the folks where they can reach oh. you or what, what you offer, anything like that that you'd like to share. Yeah, I'm at DariusWallace.com. Uh, you can engage me there, but you can also engage me in uh, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, YouTube. You can subscribe to a newsletter on my website. Um, and yes, I offer coaching for people who want to enhance their ability to speak. And then I also do a one-man show on Frederick Douglass, and I do inspirational speaking. But hey, at the end of the day, if you want to just hang out, hey, just uh, check me out on my website and connect with me and we can take it from there. Awesome. So cool. Well, I'm going to take you up on that because I want to yeah, spend please. some more time with you. Please, please, please. I want to, that the breath thing that you were talking about, yeah. I've never heard it explained that way. So I am interested in that. So Okay. All right. <laughs> well, we'll close off for here, but hang for a second, you and I. Okay. Sounds good. Catch that. Thanks so much for joining us for Earth School, sending you all of my love and hoping that each day on this Earth School brings you closer and closer to the joy of knowing that you are always innocent and unconditionally loved. Thank you.